This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. It's Christmas week, Shane. All right. Time to open some presents and mainly, just so we don't forget the most important part here, it's time to eat again. Okay, so do y'all do traditional ham, turkey for Christmas? It's mostly Thanksgiving again. It's pretty much the ham, and we normally have a turkey, maybe some dressing. It's generally a Thanksgiving repeat, which I do not say that in any way, in a negative, pessimistic way. Like, I love that it's pretty much a Thanksgiving repeat. That does not bother me. I'm one of those people. So I think this is one of those differences for us in the South and our friends up North. My family is from Pennsylvania. And so to them, the whole idea of cooking a turkey and dressing, or they call it stuffing, whatever, but doing all of that for Christmas to them is weird. I get it. And I like to think of myself as a cultured Southerner, if that's such a thing. I think you probably would as well. But this is the one thing that I have very little culture around because it's just what we've always done. And it seemed like there were years and years where I didn't know any different. I thought the whole world did the same thing at Christmas as they did at Thanksgiving. It's really only been in the last decade that I realized that there's other parts of the world that had other traditions, you know, that they actually ate something different. When we would go to Pennsylvania for Christmas, my grandparents built their house with a wood stove and the wood stove also served to heat their hot water and they used the heat to heat their house and all this kind of stuff. Well, in order to make cornbread dressing the way we make it in the South, you have to get your oven really, really, really hot. So some of my funniest memories of my childhood was watching my dad and my grandfather trying to get this wood stove hot enough so my mother could cook cornbread. Some of my fondest memories come from my grandfather heating up the house via his wood-burning fireplace, of which we all have these days, and making sure that the doors were open regardless of the temperature outside. If it was 75 degrees on Christmas Eve in East Texas, he was still going to build a fire. It was just the way it was. Like your memories, I'm sure the inside of the house with that stove, it was a little bit warm as it was at my grandparents' house and the doors would fly open and, you know, people would just sort of air quotes accidentally forget to close the door for 10 minutes just to try to cool the house down because it was very beachy-like. We just were missing the sand on Christmas Eve inside my grandfather's house. It's just the way it was. So Shane, let's talk about two words that colloquially I use interchangeably, and that is client and customer. But we know really and truly those are two different things. Oh, they are very two different things. And even though I have had this mindset for several years, I forget and I use those two terms interchangeably as well. And I get frustrated at myself because I should talk internally with an intentional strategy and intentionally use these words as I really want us to kind of portray our whole entire culture 
culture and I don't and I get frustrated with that. Customers are more transactional in nature. Clients, on the other hand, see things through a different lens. And I know that sounds so crazy to say that. When I say it out loud, I'm like, what are you talking about? But there's a truth in transitioning your agency to think in terms of clients versus customers. In the past, when I'm training a member of my sales staff, I would use this. I would say, a customer is someone who buys products or services from a company. A client is a certain type of customer who purchases professional services. That's a fantastic explanation. I think that we really struggle. It's a little bit of a theme that I felt like I've, I've been talking about off and on for several months now, and that is this moving away from transactional nature, relationship-based marketing. All of this actually comes together in this entire concept and When we start talking to our clients and referencing people as clients and referencing within our staff using the term client, for whatever reason, the mentality changes. With our referral partners, it changes. With our insurance carriers, it changes. Everything and everything that we touch, everything kind of changes and the mood changes and the strategy changes. And I think it's really important that we grab a hold of this and that we transition ourselves because it's separates us from the specialty auto agencies. It separates us from the high transactional nature agencies. And it really makes the whole policy per customer ratio strategy. It makes the infinite game strategy. All of those things come into play when we think about changing our internal verbiage from customer to clients. I think the first thing we need to change internally is policy per customer to policy per client. Funny enough, as you would say that, right? We say it and we get used to saying it. And I just said it and didn't realize what I did. And so policies per clients, it's very easy to make that change. It feels silly when I say it out loud, but it's a thinking process that I've been going through for decades. I heard this concept in the mid 2000s. There was this really intentional attempt by some carriers and several top independent agencies to separate themselves from this whole customer strategy to this whole client strategy. It was around the time that there was some fear that commissions were going to go away and independent agencies were going to have to be fee-based. And, you know, there's been some of that talk in the past. And how were you going to transition your agency to be more wealth management-like, CPA-like, risk manager, and you needed to move from customer to client? in order to fulfill that. It's interesting. I actually had one of our partner agents last year reach out to me thinking about rebranding. And he was going to use XYZ risk management. And I remember having the conversation with him, you know what that means, but does the general population know what that means? The challenge we have is that while we don't want to fall into the same sort of bucket as the Geico or the big ad spending that's gone on over the last decade. We want to be able to separate ourselves and make ourselves unique and different. We also have to be aware of the impact on the marketplace that that ad spending has done and what it's done to the market, what it's done to our agencies. Even though we weren't doing it, it actually has had an impact. When we start using terms that the marketplace or the public 
doesn't relate to, now we're in trouble. When we start using things like risk management, risk transfer, those are internal terms. They're not top of mind comments. The easiest way for me to make a transition like this, and you're going to laugh at me because I know you would never do this, but I actually have to create a visual. I have sticky notes on my monitors. Like right now I have the one that says everyday produce. And it reminds me that at the end of the day, I need to be able to have at least one thing that I have finished that I'm able to tell myself, okay, this is what I did today. For me to make this transition, that's what I would do. I would have a sticky note on the top right corner of my monitor that has the word customer with a line through it and it would say the word client. And I know that's silly and very sophomoric, but that's the easiest way for me to make the transition because I would see it every day. So we need that visual component when we're trying to create a new habit. What's the time period that it takes to form a habit? Well, the saying is that it takes 28 days. They've actually misproven that, that it takes much longer than that. But in 28 days, you can remember that you're trying to make a transition. They say that it actually really takes six to nine months to make a big change. Okay, this is why this is why I'm not really good at making a big change, I guess, because I never make it that long. But this is something that we need and can do. We need the visual, we need the reminder. And I promise you, if I can transition from pronouncing words better from podcast day one to podcast day 70, whatever, then anyone can transition from customer to client and that mindset. I want to get better at turning things on its head and saying, okay, let's start with that client experience and let's go, how does it feel to them and what do they want us to refer them to? There is a difference in customer service and the client experience. Those are two different things. They're completely different. And that would be an argument for the transition to client versus customer is we think about customer service in a transactional nature. We go, okay, I need to call customer service. In our organizations, we've moved from customer service representative to account managers. We didn't put the word client but I guess we could, but we moved away from CSR, which was forever and ever and ever a very traditional title for service folks within the independent agency model. And we move that to account managers. But when you think about that, if a policyholder calls and needs to change a vehicle, then are they just wanting good customer service? Or is there an actual client experience process that we want to put in place there? For me, there's always a client experience process. To me, that's about serving them where they are in the best way they need to be serviced. Strangely enough, that is different for a boomer or a Gen X than it is for our millennials and our Gen Zs. So are you a believer in communication the way the client wants to be communicated with? Absolutely, 100%. And, and, and well, and just for clarity there, do you think at this stage of the game that our agencies should be able to say, would you prefer to receive a text, a phone call, or an email? I can't imagine an agency being successful long-term that's not in that place. Sometimes telephone calls are necessary, but I was thinking about thank you notes the other day, and I'm a huge believer in handwritten thank you notes. But I mentor a young lady at the University of Southern Mississippi, and throughout football season... 
I was sending her small gifts every week, every two weeks, something like that. And I noticed that she never said anything about them. And, you know, I was sending like little gas gift cards or gift cards for dinner at some of the restaurants there in Hattiesburg and some actual little gifts. And she never said anything. Of course, I'm not going to say anything because I'm not going to say, okay, why aren't you saying thank you for a gift? Because you don't have to, but usually someone will at least acknowledge they've received something. And about two weeks ago, I got a text from her thanking me for all of this stuff that I sent her. And she made the comment that she never checks her mail. And she is probably the third or fourth person that I have talked with recently of that Gen Z generation because they pay all their bills online. Everything they do transactionally is online. So any mail they get is junk and they just don't check their snail mail. And it struck me that if I am sending handwritten notes to people that don't check their mail, then they'd really rather get a text from me. Before I even go down this path, just the reality that I thought this was going to end up with, she's not a gift person and she was just waiting for you to finish to send you this single thank you at the end because gift people are not, and non-gift people are not the same. I'm pretty sure that I've been given gifts probably by you and, and certainly by other gift givers and I don't even know what to say. This is the problem because I'm not a gift person. This reality of when I get a gift, it's like this moment of awkwardness for me. I don't know what to do. It's insane. I am thankful. I just don't know what to do, right? <laughs> so, um, well, you just say, hey, thanks for the gift. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Okay. This reality of communicating with our clients the way they want to be communicated with, it can be a systems issue. I mean, you do have to have the right technology to be able to pull this off. It's really important that we understand how to do this efficiently and in an automated way and not necessarily generic. I mean, we don't want it to be not authentic. We want to bring authenticity to the table here. There's just a lot of stuff that I think agents can get really, really easily overwhelmed with in how am I supposed to keep up with all this? And are you telling me that I need to offer all this mass customization for how to communicate with my people and my clients? And I'm saying that the tools are there and I'm saying that it is possible and it's possible to do it in an authentic way and in an automated way. I think that's the crazy skill set and crazy toolkits that are available to independent agents today. We need to mash those things together and realize that our job is not to just take payments or do endorsements. Our job is to transition this to this client experience, wowing the client. There's a uniqueness that independent agencies bring to the table. And I think we need to challenge ourselves to keep pushing that envelope. We have a partner in Vidalia, Louisiana, uh, Reed Insurance, Bo Pilgrim down there. And Bo is masterful at this. And before I moved to Florida, he had my insurance and I was in an accident. And when I tell you that I know his process was automated, I know that it was because I know him. But if I didn't know that, I would have no idea that it was automated. And the way his messaging was 
after that accident, taking care of me, taking care of my claim, making sure everything was handled, checking up on it, checking up long term was absolutely phenomenal. And had I not already known his process, I would have thought that I was his only client that he was so focused on making sure I was taken care of. That is what I hear from agents. This fear is about hey, let's really transition. Like they want to transition from this customer transactional environment to this client experience type environment. And I think what's in a lot of agents' brains and minds when you kind of try to paint that picture is I don't make enough revenue off of each of my customers or clients to do all this. And what I am saying here is that there needs to be a mashup of utilization of the technology and the automating of the process with generating this fantastic, amazing client experience. And it can happen just like Bo. And I think what happens is, is agents have this thing of maybe this picture of, well, you know, if I generated $20,000 in commission off of every one of my clients, well, then I could do that. And what I am saying is, is that is not necessary. Now, what is necessary is that you push the policy per client envelope. You do focus on full-time clients. You want to have all their business. You want to have the full account. And if you accomplish that, your revenue per client is going to go up. And if your revenue per client goes up and you have the right technology and automation skill set in place and all the implementation is done, well, then this really works and you are delivering something that feels about as close to mass customization and authentic as you can get. You know that I'm a data junkie and I don't have this number, but I would love to have it. I would love to know the referral percentage difference between a low policy per client ratio and a high policy per client ratio. But I would bet a large chunk of money that our partner agents that have at least a two policy per customer ratio, that their referrals are so much higher. My gut tells me that it's significantly higher. The reality of it is, is that there's relationship most of the time. If you're running a 2.3, 2.4 policy per client, then you just have more of the wallet. You have more invested in knowing who they are and what that client does. And there's just a more memorable experience. And that's where the referral happens. That's when people are like, yeah, you need to call my agent. It's an automatic thing. When we're in that transactional environment, that what we're saying is that customer transactional nature, it's generally going to follow some price. And it may be they saved me this money this year. And then it may be I left them because they're an agent that just cheap up front. And now their price went up. You can't trust them. There's this whole process change in mindset that takes place between lower policy per customer and higher policy per client. You just used a word that is always one of those terms that I can't stand. And that is when people use the word trust in their marketing or in what they're asking you to do. And and it goes back to there's this Louisiana saying it was actually even used in a movie. And it's you never trust a man that says trust me. And so to me, 
when people focus on this whole, I want to earn your trust. I want to build your trust. Or, you know, you need to trust me for this. I'm always like, well, why do you have to tell me I can trust you? I agree with that. And we, we've joked for several years about the phrase, if I could just be honest with you for a second. Well, have you not been honest with me this whole time? I agree. The trust goes in there. I probably see people use that more than it should be used for sure. And it's in an area that, I don't know, I feel like we fill up space with words when we just need to be quiet sometimes. That probably goes back to not listening twice as much as we talk like we should. But hey, we're podcasting, right? So we're supposed to talk. I remember reading one time that the sole reason that we are in business is to make life less difficult for our clients. And I think sometimes that we forget that. We are thinking about the sale. We're thinking about grow, grow, grow. And I love growing. I love making more money. I want to continue to grow. What I think is really kind of this place that we're at in the industry, and especially as independent agents, is that we can do that almost in a contrarian view. Like the whole world is saying volume, volume, volume. And I challenge us to say, focus on the client in front of you. Focus on the relationship. And you will have more business running at you than you ever thought possible because it will be a separator. Being unique in the marketplace is really relational. It's being better at being relational. It's being better at being in the moment with your client so they don't feel that you've got more important things to do. There's a lot of clients out there that feel that way. I feel it in plenty of places in my life that I'm not the most important thing right now. And it's very frustrating when you're spending money with someone and you don't feel like you have their attention. It's an extremely frustrating thing. One of our core values is make it personal. And since day one, I didn't feel like that was enough of a definition with that phrase, make it personal. And I had in parentheses the word care. If I had to just boil things down to just a very, very short explanation, client versus customer. When I think about client, I think about caring. And when I think about caring, I think about authenticity and truly caring. Until you get there, if you're trying to do all this and move from customer transaction oriented to client experience and making people feel like they're your only client, and you try to do that without being authentic and not actually caring, then you're going to fail. Making yourself look more important or having the theory that it makes you look more important to be busy, I think that ship has sailed. The world is tired of it. And I think it happens a lot. There's a lot of people in this world that make themselves look busy because they want people to think that they're important. And being busy is not good. It tells me when you're that busy that you're terrible at either time management or you're overcommitted, both of which is not necessarily great when it comes to creating a great client experience. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Albert Einstein. Strive not to be a success, but rather to be a value. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Merry Christmas, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.